And then there were four. The semis are set at the Gold Cup as both the United States and Mexico take care of business in the quarterfinals. Is a Nations League rematch looming later this week in Las Vegas. After a shocking loss to start their Olympic campaign, the U.S. women fired back with a six-pack against New Zealand. We'll break that down as well as a rough Sunday out for the Mexican men who fell flat against the tourney host. Plus, what in the name of pop culture? Kanye West in an Atlanta United game? That's easy. That's him. America's underway and together in our Los Angeles studio. Insane. You're here. I am. Am I taller in person? <laughs> Come on. He's Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebi Salazar. We got a lot to get to in this show. We got uh, some great guests lined up for you. We're going to hear from Ali Krieger in a little bit, talking about the U.S. women's national team at the Olympics. We got to discuss the start of the Liga Amecki season, some interesting results from week one down there, plus another young superstar with a hat trick in Major League Soccer. But uh, Hercules, I think we got to start, as we often do, with Gold Cup. Because it is Gold Cup right now, and we are getting down to the brass tacks of this tournament. Down to the semifinals. The U.S. into the semis after a 1-0 victory over Jamaica in the quarterfinals Sunday in Arlington, Texas. The goal, we had to wait for it. Oh, we had to wait a really, really long time. Until the 83rd minute, that's when Matthew Hoppy scored. Herc, you called this a trap game yeah. uh, leading into this. And early on, especially in the first half, it felt like Jamaica was going to do exactly that. Trap the U.S. Uh, in this quarterfinal. In the end, they get the job done, but just, and I mean just barely. I mean, it wasn't pretty, was it? And listen, I said it was a trap game. In the first 15, 20 seconds, they almost proved yep. me right. Yep. Very nervy moments for this very young and experienced U.S. men's national team. But we expected that, right? 12 of these players had never had a single minute leading up to this Gold Cup with the national team So it's a good performance level. then? It's a win. Good performance, choppy, sloppy. Uh, in the end, they did what they needed to do. A better second half than first half. A lot of mistakes. No fluidity to the game, especially in the final third. Uh, the buildup was lacking. Uh, but in the end, you needed to win. And again, it's a 1-0 win. And good teams will find ways to win. This is a very young team. And yes, this was a big win for them. You feel like it was a story of two different halves? Because it's not yes. just the first opportunity for Bobby Reed. Matt Turner was really busy in that first 45. I don't know if it was four or five saves that he yeah. had to make in the first half. Something changed in the second half. Did you pick up on what it was? Uh, the midfield, I thought Kellen Acosta was uh, very, very good. Um, the midfield play was better. Possession was better. They didn't lose the ball so cheaply. Uh, Greg's... Timely substitutions mm -hmm. definitely helped out the U.S. men's national team. And at the end of it was, you know, applying pressure and getting the goal. Goals will kill you. And right before Matthew Hoppy scores the goal, there's a chance for the Jamaican national team. I'm talking about right before. Right, right. A dead ball situation that crosses the face of the box that Matt Turner's already beat. The defender's already beat. The Jamaican attacker can't get there. Inches from actually connecting. And if he connects any part of his foot to the ball, it trinkles in in an empty net. Mm. So I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, contextually, this is a very, very good result. Jamaica's got their A-team. Mm -hmm. uh, just like Canada pretty much had their A-team missing a few pieces. None of these guys are really A-team material, right, on this U.S. team? Are we comfortable saying that? Like starting 11 material. Um... I would not say, yet, anyway. I would say yet. situational. There were a few, okay. I, and I will tell you why. There are a few defenders that showed me something last night. But the point remains. The point remains. It's basically not your A team, of and you're course. getting results in a not knockout a, round. Not, even, not probably not even your B. You're going down to the C team. And you're Absolutely. getting results in a knockout round against decent competition. You got it in the, in the group phase against Canada. You got it against Jamaica here. Um, 
One thing that I do want to point out, though, is the goals. There is a lack of goals outside of Martinique, right? Which right. is your, your 6 1. Every other game so far has been 1 0, 1 0, 1 0. That says to me you're not, you're not creating enough goals. Is the USO creating enough chances? Because that's what we see with Mexico. We see overwhelming chances, but no goals. So you say, oh, well, eventually they're going to start scoring. The, uh, do you feel the same way about the US? No, I don't. With the, the exception, with the exception of the Haiti game, which I thought the finishing wasn't on par, okay. they created some decent opportunities. It just they didn't finish. Now, every single game after that, Martinique was Martinique. Yeah, we'll throw that out. Go, yeah, we'll throw that that's out. Sad. But Canada, I mean, besides the opening, what would you say? 15 minutes, yep, yep. it was all Canada after that. It, it was a U.S. men's national team that really struggled with fluidity in tackling third to connect passes, to, to move it side to side, to create lanes for each other, to create any Is most of that just opportunities. dudes not playing together? Dudes just not yes. having played together? Yes, most of that can be uh, people not playing together, not knowing or not having that familiarity. But it's also the construction of this roster. Fair you, you, go, you go from what is a... 4 3 3 to all of a sudden a, a 3 5 2, and you keep changing things up, changing personnel up, different players in different positions that maybe they're not used to playing. So it's a combination of those things. It really is, and I've said this throughout this tournament, hard to like judge on the collective what this group is doing, just based on how little they've played together. But individually, there's a lot on the line. So yep. let's go through some of the players, some of the guys who had performances last night, whether you thought they were good, whether you thought they were bad. We'll put them into two categories. Very simple, Herc, yeah. even for you. <laughs> who played well, uh, who didn't? Let's start with Matthew Hoppy. Let's okay. start with Matthew Hoppy, because I think he's the name that's jumping off the screen for most players. He gets the goal, 83rd minute. He gets subbed off almost immediately afterwards uh, in the 84th minute. Really, of the two categories, you can only put him in one, right? Yeah, he was good. Yeah, he, he was really good. He's 20 years old, and what I most like about him is how dangerous he is, how vertical he is. He never plays it safe. Mm. He never wants to just be easy in possession. He's always looking to be vertical, to attack, to be goal dangerous. And is his movement is fantastic. Is there a comp there for you? Because when I see him, there are two names that immediately jump into my head. Any for you? You know, we had this conversation last night. You yeah. came over, you watched yeah. the game. Uh, I, 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 in a very egotistical way, compared him to what I looked like, what I wanted Say, to be a like. A young Hercules Gomez. No, what he I wanted said to, that at his house last night. He said it in the third person. What I wanted to be like when I was playing. Always right, goal right, dangerous. Right. You know, my, my attributes were my movement, were being goal dangerous, were being vertical. Uh, and he's like that. You mentioned Chris Wondolowski, uh, which I think is a fair comparison because he's, such, he's got such great instinct yep. to find the play. Um, he's also deceivingly big. Yeah. He's 6'3. He's 20 years old, 6'3, and he moves. Is 6'3 like deceptively that. large? That's that's uh, very tall. You're 5'6. So. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm saying. To me, it sounds very tall. No, but but for a forward, especially when you see him on the field, you see the way he moves, you don't expect him to be that nimble for that size. Mm -hmm. and, and he's just so dangerous. Honestly, he's a player that every time I watch shows me a different facet of his game. And listen, like every player on this list. When they show you something, mm. it's either good or bad, but they show you something. So far with him, it's been good, but it's the hunger in that game that really strikes me. So beyond the Wando comparison, I compare him to Wando because he always puts the ball on target. He's always going to make the right. goalie work. That's, I think, Wando's specialty. It's why he's gotten a lot of goals in Major League Soccer. The other comparison that to me is very, very obvious is Chicharito. I mean, it's the movements off the ball. It's like he's always seems to be almost gambling on what's to come. Yeah, I, I, I see what Chicharito like. Chicharito's always like the ball could be here. Listen, it's and fair. That's happy. It's fair because if you compare Chicharito to Wanda, you're like very similar yep. in their movements yep. how they how they find the ball. But Matthew Happy and I say this with all due respect to those two has a certain style to the ball on his foot. He mm -hmm. likes to run at people. Yeah. For as big and as nimble, for as big as he is, strong as he is, he is very nimble with the ball on his foot. When he's going to goal, he still I don't think is as good as maybe many think he is in reduced spaces, mm -hmm. but he's very good 
with open space. Uh, and Javier Hernandez and, and Chris Wondolowski are certainly not that. All right, fair enough. Uh, does he got to leave Schalke? Yes. Yeah, I saw get, him that, right? get him out of Bundesliga too. Yeah. Uh, and, and that'll happen. And I think, I think if you watch or if you've been looking at the social media uh, channels for Schalke, they want that to happen as well. They are pumping a transfer for him as we speak. Absolutely. All right, the other side of the number nine story, at least in this match, is Daryl DK. He gets pulled in the 63rd minute, could not find the back of the net. I'm guessing, Herc, he's not going to end up in your played well column. No, and this is this is a rough one because Daryl Dika has got so much promise, got all the intangibles, right? I mean, physically, he's such a handful. He's opportunistic. He's a guy that showed you he could score different types of goals. He scored. He, he lit it up in, in Major League Soccer. They put a twenty million dollar or you know transfer fee on him on his head. He goes to the championship and he lights it up there for Barnsley, but. After these two last opponents, Canada and what is Jamaica, if I'm teams around the championship, around the Premier League, and I see $20 million price tag mm-hmm. on his head after what he's played, I'm scoffing at it. There's no chance I'm paying that. There seems to be a breakdown between the U.S. Men's National Team midfield and the attack once it gets, in these last two games, once it got to Daryl Dike. Uh, whether it was his back to goal and his touches or his decision-making, it was lacking. And at this level, I don't care what he does against Haiti or Martinique. I want to see right. what he does against the elite at CONCACAF. I'm not even asking for a Germany, a Brazil, and Argentina, those type of teams like Spain. I'm talking about CONCACAF, that elite yep. type level. And the last two games, uh, he was a player I was disappointed in. Yeah, he scored twice against Martinique. So, you know, you get your goals there, but he gets the starts against Canada, Jamaica, and doesn't score in either match, right? Those are the big opportunities that he's got to grab. I think he's a streaky scorer. Yeah. I think what we saw at Barnsley is a guy that can catch fire and maybe a guy who will go cold for a while. Um, that's certainly something you can grow out of, though, right? But when you're not scoring goals, how are you helping your team? And it was evident there yeah. was a breakdown in play when it got to Daryl DK. Right. You always want that number nine that when he's not scoring, like, does all the other little things. Correct. I'm sure DK can add that to his game. All right, let's go to another player here, Kellen Acosta. Uh, this is a guy who for me is so interesting because, one, he's super versatile. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, like, I don't really know if he's an, a, an 11 guy or an 18 guy or a 23 guy for the next World Cup. Um, where do you see him fitting in big picture, and then what do you make of his performance against Jamaica? Big picture, he's fighting for a spot in this 23 to go to Qatar. You think he's still fighting for the spot? Oh. Huh? You don't think he's a lock? No, no, no. I don't okay. think he's a lock because it's a very crowded uh, midfield. Here's the thing. People forget about Kellen Acosta and who he was at FC Dallas. He was the next big thing. He was about to explode. He signs for Colorado, and all of a sudden, things start changing. The last games what we saw in Europe, when they played against Jamaica in, in, um, in what was Austria, and then yep. they played against Northern Ireland, he was a scapegoat for fans. He was a player who was still in preseason that Greg Berhalter decided to start in these two games, and he struggled. He wasn't up to par with the rhythm because he hadn't been playing. So it was very uh, down in, in a lot of the, the minds and hearts of, of these U.S. men's national team fans, and maybe and pundits. The thing. MLS, MLS thing, thing for sure, yeah, for sure. For sure, we talk about that. But if anybody has vindicated themselves lately in this Gold Cup, it is Kellen Acosta. He was an absolute, as Greg Berhalter said, beast for them in the center of the park. He's a player that's a dual uh, threat, box to box. And one of the only players with some actual defensive bite to his game. I thought he was superb. He was a player that I was happy for him to watch him to go from being down here in those European friendlies to up here in Gold Cup, I thought he got himself back into that U23, or sorry, not U23, to those 23-man picture. So he starts in midfield alongside Sebastian Legette and Gianluca Busio. Let's go Busio. Uh, how do you think he performed against and Jamaica? That, that's the second straight game that Busio, I, I think, has struggled the physicality at this level. Really? Yeah. It's a physical yeah. thing with him. When huh? I say physicality, I don't just mean the size of Gianlu- Gianluca Busio. Mm-hmm. I don't just mean his ability to win a ball in defense. I'm talking about the speed of play. 
Hmm. I'm talking about this. That's, it, it, that's what I would thought n- wouldn't be a problem. For him. And that's that. And that's been a problem for him. He hasn't been fast enough in his decision making, mm. uh, defensively and offensively. There have been moments where I'm like, I like what I see out of this kid. He's 18 years old. You know, he's a teenager. I'm liking what I'm seeing. And other moments where I'm like. The game's still a little fast for him right now. And maybe a lot of that is the chaos that is CONCACAF mm-hmm. and the chaos that is being with a C team that's never played together. Maybe he's better in a much more well-rounded setting where he can be better for you. But I, he's another player like DK that, I, you know, I've come away the last two games and just, ah, I wish he would have done more. And those are the two games since the reports of the move to Venezia. I wonder if that's like a distraction for these guys. I, I'm not saying, is it an excuse, but kind of like, is it an, an excuse? Listen, man, when I was 18, 19 years old, if I didn't take a, a midday nap, you know, yeah. <laughs> it, it, ruined, it ruined my day, it ruined my week. You know, I could only imagine if all of a sudden you're, you're reading things about yourself. Yeah, yeah. You know, it used to be back in the day, big soccer, and you'd have to right, go to a right. forum to, you know, like deep, this like dark web. This kid opens his web. phone, and it must be boop, 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 boop. It opens his phone, and he's got, you know, thousands of mentions, and he's got reports in Italy, and he's got probably family members, and he's got all these things. He's reading about himself and all these different types of outlets. It could be very overwhelming, I am sure. And how you deal with that, because this isn't a proper soccer culture, a football culture. Right. I mean, anywhere else in the world, he could read about himself in the paper. Yeah. You walk out. This is paparazzi. new for him, you're saying. This basically. is very new yep. for him. In Kansas City, he probably doesn't get this type of attention, like at a world level. And now he's starting to read, and, and maybe he's buying, I don't want to say buying it a little into it, but it could definitely be affecting him. He didn't start the first game of the group phase. He has started the three games since. So I wonder if even if he's not playing as well as you'd like or others might like, if still his stock is at least holding firm with Greg Berhalter. Because it seems like he keeps going back to him, even if the performances aren't necessarily what you want to see. Yeah. I mean, I think it's evident, right? Yeah. Greg Berhalter's given that opportunity. And maybe if there's a positive to come out of this C-team type Gold Cup, it's that Greg Berhalter's getting a lot of these questions answered with these young players. If you're looking for depth and who could potentially come into that 23-man roster for Qatar, well, this is a great opportunity for those domestic players and also a platform. And Gianluca Buzio is one of those players who's looking for that platform for that transfer. All right, so the U.S. played on Sunday. Mexico, meanwhile, played on Saturday against Honduras in Glendale, Arizona. And, uh, Herc, the Mexican national team decided to show up to the Gold Cup, finally, the real Mexican national team. They went 3-0 over Honduras. All three goals are coming a 12-minute stretch in the first half. Rogelio Funes Mori, Jonathan Dos Santos with a beautiful volley, and uh, Orbelin as well. I think, uh, and I don't even think it's really close, this was by far Mexico's best performance of the tournament. You know, I've been hearing a lot about that. I've been hearing this is their best performance. How can you argue it? How can you argue it? Well, it's 3-0 against Honduras in a very depleted Honduras team at that. And it's 3-0 in the first half. But, yes. Contundente. Convincing. But you know the only difference between Trinidad, between Guatemala, between El Salvador, and this game? Hmm. They finished. They finished. You look at the possession in those games. Yes. Pretty big difference. Yes, but the play. But the play in between the boxes. There's still a team that's been dominant in every single game, with the exception of probably 30 minutes versus El Salvador. This team dominated every single game, every single moment of every single match. And I'm talking about, like, dominated, dominated. 82% possession against Trinidad. 72% possession against Guatemala. 54 against El Salvador. 30 shots one game. 17 the next. 16 that game. They just finished this game. That was the only difference. Zero goals against the whole tournament. Let me ask you this. So the goal comes from Funes Mori in the 26th minute. Before that, there were like three or four very good chances for Mexico. Tell me, is they're missing those chances? You're not thinking, here we go, more of the same. Because <laughs> through that first half hour, un- until Funes Mori gets uh, that goal, I'm thinking this is the exact same Mexican team I've seen through the group phase. Yeah, and it's, and it's that old saying that you hear Mexican fans say all yeah. the time. 
jugamos como nunca, perdimos como siempre. Yeah. You know, we, we play like never before, lose like always before. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's like, it seems to be just ingrained in the way they think when they see this happen, that it's going to happen. You right. know, it's going to happen. You know, but that's not the case. And, and look, Rogelio Funes Mori, to his credit, a lot of pressure on him this Gold Cup. A lot of pressure, even before he even kicked the ball, put the jersey on. And he's been responding. Forget about the goals for a second. He's got three goals this Gold Cup. The play. Mm. The actual play from him has been outstanding. Really? Yes. Okay, let's get into that then. So Rogelio Funes Mori first on our list of Mexican players. Who they, have they impressed or not throughout the Gold Cup? Uh, based on what you just said, Herc, I think Rogelio Funes Mori has impressed you. Yes. Now, we mentioned uh, Daryl D.K. When he's not scoring goals, what can you be doing? Well, when Rogelio Funes Mori is not scoring goals, and even when he is scoring goals, he is putting dimes on a platter. He is serving up for his teammates, whether it's Tecatito Corona or Ruelin Pineda, when it was Chucky Lozano when he was playing, and the list goes on and on and on. Eric Gutierrez, I don't know how many he's missed from this player. He's a very good nine, very dynamic, very good at reading plays, good to go with the back to goal, uh, great in the box. But he's the nine that, when he's not scoring goals, is still doing something for you. And listen, since Raul Jimenez, you've not had that type of nine. You bring in Javier Hernandez, Charito here, he's not going to be that nine for you. Alan Pulido, he's probably going to be a little deeper, but he's not going to be that complete line nine for you. Henry Martin, definitely not going to be that nine for you. Yeah, He's got, so Funes Mori has three goals so far this tournament. The one thing I like is when they've come, they come in that first half hour. And that's when Mexico, like, needs to grab They're all game these winners. games. Yeah, they are all game winners because yeah. Mexico has yet to concede a goal uh, throughout this tournament. Uh, let's talk Tecatito Corona. This is a player to, to me who, when I watch him play, I'm always so excited. And maybe to the point now, Herc, where his previous performances have set a bar that now I feel like I'm being let down. What do you think of Tecatito so far uh, in the Gold Cup and specifically against Honduras? Where is he? Exactly. Where is Tecatito Corona? Mm-hmm. Where is the player that today is being linked with Tottenham Hotspur? Yeah. Where is and the Chelsea, player? And Arsenal and Atletico. Whatever you want. Where is the player who two seasons ago was voted the best player in the Portuguese. Can league. I ask you something? Does he look tired? I feel like I'm, I'm super I have tired. that here. Yeah. Is, it, is he tired? Is he injured? That's literally one of the things I want to ask about Tecatito Corona. One of the reports before the tournament started was that he picked up an injury and that he was a doubt to actually play the Gold Cup. Yeah, Next looks you know, leggy. Yeah. Next thing you know, he's starting and playing every single minute of every single game. I don't know what it is, but this is a player that when he's in his best version, mm-hmm. watch out, he's one of the better players in CONCACAF, one of the better... 1v1 players you will see anywhere, and we've not seen that version of him. Mm. He looks is, uh, disinterested. He looks unmotivated. He looks tired. Yep. I don't know if it's injury. I don't know if it's if it's uh, he's overused. What it is, but it's not the same Tecatito Corona that we've been seeing. I hate to hear you listen to hear you say that word overuse because that makes me very worried for the upcoming season for him. If all these links are true, and he is going to make a move, we're looking at a guy who's tired already. Imagine in August, September with his club team. I mean, that's going to get even worse. I mean, Seb, think about it. You've got the Portuguese Cup. You've got yep. Portuguese League. You've got Champions League. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you've got all these tournaments. Then he comes into a preseason where, by the way, you know how many preparation games the U.S. men's national team played for the Gold Cup? How many? Zero. Zero. It seems like every single week there was an opportunity. Mexico played a game because we want to make that money at the gate. And Fair he was enough. there. All right, let's uh, talk about another midfielder, Jonathan Dos Santos. What a sweet strike against Honduras for the second Mexican goal uh, in this match. Herc, is he performing or underperforming in your eyes? Oh, no, my man's performing. I I still remember 2019 around that time when people outlandishly were claiming that Charlie Rodriguez was the next big thing and then Jonathan Dos Santos, who, he's out. And all of a sudden you see Jonathan Dos Santos start for Tata Martino, who Tata Martino knows extremely well from his time in La Liga. And he scores the game winner against the U.S. men's national team in a game where 
They probably should have been down against that U.S. Men's National Team. That You're final. talking 19 Gold Cup Finals. 19 Gold Cup Finals. Scores the game winner. He's playing extremely well. Now, Jonah Dos Santos, when he is healthy, when this man is healthy at his best version, there's nobody that comes close to him. And he's a very vital piece of this national team, the Mexican national team. He's a very good two-way player. He's very cerebral. He's a leader. And all of a sudden, he's got a penchant for coming up big in big mm. moments. Mm. I mean, Gold Cup final uh, winner, this Game right here, I mean, you saw the way he just stroked it, put it in the back of the net. This is a uh, gamer. This is a player that I've got a lot of faith in. How do we explain the difference between what MLS did to Gio Dos Santos and what it did for Jonathan Dos Santos? Well, there's still time to see if he gets the Gio Dos Santos status because Gio started off very well in Major League mm-hmm. Soccer. Gio was one of the better players for the mm-hmm. Galaxy when Robbie Keane was hey, there. Y- quick question. Who do you think we will say has a better national team career when it's all said and done? No, Gio. Careful, there's still time for Jonah. There's still Not time enough for time. Gio's one of the best Mexican national team players that's ever played. If you just look at it, just everything he's won. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Speaking of Mexico, they're under 23s, plus three refuerzos in the Olympics. And how about this? They lose 2-1 against Japan after a 4-1 victory hurt against France. This leaves Mexico's qualification for the next round very much in doubt. Right now, second uh, in their group behind the Japanese, who have won both of their games. It really hurts seem kind of like two different teams from the opener to the second game. What was the difference? Uh, the first 15 minutes. That was it. I mean, the game was over 50 minutes in. Uh, defensive airs. Eric Aguirre gets beat, you know, in behind. The first goal comes. Uh, Sanchez can't close. And then Memo Choa is beat. And then the second goal, it's Cesar Montes again. Mm. Another penalty that the center back gives up. And it's the attention to detail, the lack of concentration. And, and when you go up 2-0, you can go down, excuse me, 2-0, uh, 15 minutes in at that level against players like Cubo, which the Mexican national team doesn't have a player of that caliber, it's going to be very difficult against the host nation. Why were they so toothless in this game? Like, how did they threaten France so much and then suddenly go to a team that really could almost not bother Japan until the end of the game when they're playing a man down and in right. desperation mode. Right. Well, you have to think about this, Seb. Against France, they were already up a goal. They were up two right. goals, three goals, right. four goals, so they can toy with them and toy with the spaces behind because they're a very dynamic team. Versus Japan, they're down two goals in the opening 15 minutes, so Japan could let Mexico have the ball and, and play that way. physically superior. I gotta, I gotta say they that. Had, they, they were a lot faster. They were a lot faster. A lot faster, <laughs> and not only uh, speed of play, but decision-making yeah. a lot faster. And, and anytime... 
you are faster with the decision making, errors are going to happen. Johan Vasquez has to take down the opponent yep, yep. Uh, right outside the box. It's a clear, uh, evident red card. Uh, but also, bad individual performances. And this goes to Jaime Lozano as well. The first game, we raved about the substitutions. Mm -hmm. This last game, I mean, your most dangerous player is probably Alexis Vega again. You take him out again. Right. And this time, there wasn't a clear-cut answer for your move, you know? So much of an Olympic tournament is the three overage players that you bring in. And that decision, right? That's really how you build your team. Los refuerzos, as we call them in Spanish. Henry Martin is the guy for this Mexican national team. Like, you brought in a goalie, you brought in Luis Romo, and you brought in a striker. You brought in Henry Martin. Was he the right guy to bring in for this tournament? Has he ever been the guy at the club level? Has there ever been a club situation for Consistently, him? Consistently, no. Tijuana or America where you're like, the club puts their faith in him. The coach puts their no. faith in him. He's going to be the goal scorer for this team, and he's a consistent threat? No, because even when he's scoring goals, he's fighting to stay on the field. He's got Vinas behind him. He had Castillo behind yep. him. And Cholos, they always had the next big thing behind, or, you know, breathing down his neck. He's never been the guy at the club level or the national team level. Right. You know how many national team goals he scored for L3? You know, and he's got less than two. So all of a sudden you're expecting him to be the guy at one of the biggest stages for Mexico. And one of their, you know. So who do you take instead, right? Because there's a few other options. I mean, there's a guy, there's a guy with the LA Galaxy right now. Well, he's not with the LA Galaxy right now. I'd love to see Chicharito at the Olympics. Jota Jota Macias would have been an option and an, un, an of age option. An you of could age have saved option. the refuerzo for something I, else. I would have gone on a... Uh, of age option in JJ Macias or Alexis Vega who played there in the qualifying tournament in Guadalajara who right. did extremely well there um, and brought in another position of need uh, whether that's in the middle of the park or a center back situation or, or something like that I would have gone that route certainly you know Henry's a very good squad player right he's a very good guy he's like a comfortable number two choice right and he works hard for you every manager would love to have this player but he's team. not he's certainly not an, and I, I know this is very easy to say an Andre Pierre Gignac who's going to score a hat trick you know in the second game actually it's a perfect comparison that's the player France brought in to strengthen their squad this right. is the play I mean there's a huge gap between of those two guys we can't, we can't deny that um, alright so next game for Mexico South Africa on Wednesday South Africa team that has not won so far yet in this tournament how confident are you that Mexico can get the job done? A win, a win in their through. A win in their through. Yeah, I'm confident. Anything and, else leaves and the door I, open. I know, I know we were talking about a last, uh, last show of like, hey, they're, they're going to medal now, right? You know, and, I know, funny how quickly those. <laughs> but I don't think it's changed too much. Think, take a look at this for a second, okay? Look at the teams that are in the Olympics on the men's side, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Name a team that's won two games. No, only Japan. Only Japan! Brazil hasn't looked that convincing. Spain hasn't looked that convincing. France certainly hasn't looked that convincing. Germany hasn't looked that convincing. So if you're telling me that Mexico, whether it's one or two in Group B, mm -hmm. can't deal and then win that game and potentially have one game and you beat that game, and you're in a situation where you're looking at a podium. Mm -hmm. I, look, very much still in reach a medal for this Mexican national team, but it's next game. Yep. You know, South Africa is a dangerous team because they have nothing to play for. Right. And they're playing against a team that's got the pressure of having something to play for. That said, destiny's in your hands. It's up to you. Win and you're in, and it should be good. No Johan Vasquez as well for that game against South Africa. That could be a big... And big Eric Aguirre, maker. who came out injured. That's so those right. Are, those are two big absences uh, and a team that, if you put Luis Romo there, now Esquivel has to slide into the midfield. And Charlie Rodriguez, who hasn't looked quite convincing in the center of the park, with Cordova, who had his, one of his worst games uh, in recent history in any uniform I've seen him in. It's not a convincing or, or a good-feeling moment for Jaime Lozano, the coach, you know, knowing that a center back that you trusted is out, and now you have to go with the domino effect.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. The U.S. back on track at the Olympics after a 6-1 thrashing of New Zealand on Sunday. Here to break it down with us, Allie Krieger, two-time World Cup champion with the U.S. women's national team. Allie, before we get to the, the game against New Zealand and the matches against Australia, I just want to start with you. This is the first time the U.S. women's national team has been in a major international tournament without you since 2012. Do you like it? Do you hate it? Like, what's it like watching these games from the outside now? It is tough. Um, hi, both of you. Um, it's great to be here. Um, it is tough. Obviously, I want to be there. I want to play. I want to have an impact on the games. Um, and, and this is the first time I haven't been involved, uh, you know, in a, in a major tournament. So you're right. It, it's, you know, a bit different. I have a, a more time on my hands um, and I'm more focused, I think, with the Orlando Pride, obviously, this summer. So it's OK. Uh, I, I'm not OK with it. I you know, disagree with his decision, but um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm okay, and I'm enjoying watching the team um, win, at least this last game. That sounded game. like a, I'm okay, I'm okay. Everything's fine, I'm okay. Everything's <laughs> fine. fine. Let's not talk about it. Let's not talk about it. Uh, let's talk then about the uh, New Zealand game. A 6-1 win for the U.S. Is this official, everything's fine, total bounce-back performance, or is this more they ran into a really weak opponent? And that's just not a weak opponent in New Zealand, but if we're being honest, honest Allie here, an opponent that hadn't really because of COVID-19 restrictions, been able to prepare for this tournament. So is the U.S. officially back and fine, or are there still some concerns coming out of this? I mean, listen, it's early on in the tournament. Obviously, I think, you know, there's players that aren't necessarily in form, and it's not just one or two. Um, I think that it was a great three points, and we needed that win. We needed to build on that confidence because moving into the next round, especially the next game, is, is really important for us, and we have to win. And I think that, you know, starting off the tournament, not as well, but there's still plenty of time. And that doesn't mean that they're not going to get informed, you know, later on in the next few games. So we saw the U.S. women bounce back offensively, but defensively, Ali, you've played on this defensive line. You play with these players. A few mistakes. The goal comes off, comes off a, a mistake that New, uh, New Zealand capitalizes on. What's going on with the defense? Why are they so shaky? I, I, I trust our back line, and they've performed so well over the years and so solid and confident. So I just think that um, that lineup was always planned, and I think that 
you know, off of these um, games. They just need to tidy up a few little details. The unforced errors, um, obviously that goal um, was a mistake, but I know that um, that wasn't on purpose. And I think that, you know, just kind of going back to the drawing board, um, they can build confidence off of those goals that they scored anyway. But yes, I mean, moving into the later rounds, that's not going to be acceptable. And we need to tidy it up a bit and, and show that we are the United States and we are the team that is wanting to win this gold medal. And we do need to tidy up those unforced errors and just kind of get a little bit more compact and more organized. And that starts from the back. Well, speaking about starting from the back, next opponent, Australia. Uh, Sam Kerr, what's the key to stopping this unbelievable forward? You've known her for many years from playing with her at league play at club level. Uh, What's the key to this? She's an amazing forward, and she loves to get in between the seams and get in behind off your off your shoulder. Um, so you have to always know where she is. And even back to goal, they can't let her have the time of day. They need to get right on, right on her. They need to disrupt her uh, as soon as possible, especially when she's back to goal. Um, but always have an idea of where she is. So every player in the back line needs to know because she does enjoy the game. You know, making those runs and behind and and off your off your shoulder so the the defense needs to always have their head on a swivel and be prepared for her making those runs in behind Allie speaking of forwards and players you know well Alex Morgan so she starts the opening match but comes off after 45 minutes then doesn't start the game against New Zealand this was a huge surprise to me what do you make of how Vladko Ananovsky is using Morgan through these first couple games Yes, of course, we saw that, you know, she didn't have the best 45 minutes that she's ever had. Um, but that doesn't mean she's not going to be an impact, you know, in the in the next games coming up. I really feel like as an opponent, I am scared and nervous to play against an Alex Morgan because when she is in form, she's lethal. Mm. And you could see that with that goal against New Zealand, her trigger is so quick. And I, I think that her placement was excellent. I think she had a direct impact in the game. Uh, once again, it's not just her that hasn't quite gotten into the form that she needs to be in this tournament, but that doesn't say that it's not going to happen this game. So I do think opponents need to be scared. I train against her every single day, and she's one of the best forwards in the world. And so um, they, th- we haven't seen the best yet, but there's still time, and she's, she's going to be an impact uh, in these games coming up. Allie, we've seen two very different performances from the U.S. women uh, these Olympics. How confident are you in a victory versus Australia tomorrow? I'm very confident. Obviously, we're playing against our former coach, uh, Tony Gustafsson, who knows our team very well. Uh, and a lot of the players uh, in, you know, in the Australian squad uh, have played in the NWSL and are very familiar with our U.S. team. So that does you know, play a little bit of, of an advantage for Australia. But I do think we, we have uh, a capability of winning again, getting these three points. Um, we do have to be aware of Sam Kerr. That is very important for everyone on the field. It's not just the back line, but everyone needs to be prepared and, and know where she is on the field because that is their weapon and that is who they're going to be looking for. Hey, Ali, I got one more question for you because I think you can give us a good perspective on it. You obviously worked under Jill Ellis for a long time. Mm-hmm. A lot of people talk about the differences between the Jill Ellis era and the Vladko Andonovsky era. What do you think the kind of key differences are between these two coaches and then what we see from their respective national teams? 
Yeah, great question. I think that Jill is more of in uh, a managerial role. I think she manages the players. And then Tony was more so um, our trainer, so to speak, and was very detail-oriented, which I think that also has a connection with Vlaco, who is also very detail-oriented. But Vlaco is more of um, like a hands-on type head coach. And so, and sometimes you don't see that often. You just see a head coach kind of in that manager role. And then you have your assistants doing the training and, and getting that work in. So I think that is the biggest difference. And Vlaco is up all night watching video, clipping video, you know, cutting, I mean, watching training sessions from front, from the start to finish. Um, he is very involved in the training. And I think that was, you know, one of the biggest differences that I've seen and, and have experienced with both of these coaches. It's interesting, Ali, we were talking to Vlatko Anonofsky after the pandemic, and he was like, yeah, I basically have a master's in soccer now with how much uh, <laughs> yeah. I've studied it. So a very, very interesting manager. Very, very interesting story there. All right, uh, Ali yeah. Krieger, we got to let you go. Thanks so much for the time here on Football Americas, and we'll hear from you soon throughout these Olympics. Yes, thank you both. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. To Major League Soccer, the good, the bad, the ugly. We start with the good. FC Dallas's Ricardo Pepe, a hat trick and a 4 nothing win over the LA Galaxy. Herky is now the youngest player ever to score a hat trick in Major League Soccer history. He's got eight goals so far this season, tied for third in the league, and he is just 18 years old. How special is this kid? My man just became a starter for FC Dallas. Mm. It took Luchi Gonzalez, I don't know how long, to finally give him the reins, make him a number nine. He's got the only designated player, Franco Jara, on the bench. Eight goals on the season. Uh, by the way, Bologna, Serie A, they're interested in this oh, guy. Oh, really? Okay. Dual national. U.S. men's national team. Mi Selección, Mexico, uh, watch out. There could be another bidding war here. I think there could be. This is right around the time when Mexico is like, oh, we're about to step in, right? He's blowing up. He has been invited to both Mexico and U.S. youth national team camps uh, in the past. And what did you tell me about his bio? He's got both those teams in his social media bio? Yeah, not the U.S. men's national team. The U.S. youth national team and Mi Selección in his bio. Uh, Ricardo Pepe, eyes on him. He was actually in the 60-man preliminary roster for Greg Berhalter and this Gold Cup team. Did not make it but he is proving his worth eight goals I I wonder if that's not going to be a motivator for Greg Berhalter to give him a call up to kind of lock him into the United States another thing that was super I think impressive about this goal it comes on the year or the hat trick we should say it comes on the year anniversary of his grandfather's death and he said he dedicated the performance and the goals to him so the kid obviously like has a sense of time and place and knows how to step up um, when he needs to the bigger question here is is he the next guy from MLS to make the jump. You mentioned Bologna. It feels like, I mean, when you score a hat-trick, all the momentum's going to be behind you, right? Yeah, I actually called this game for Latin America ESPN, <laughs> and his movement's tremendous. Mm. The way he finds the game. You we think spoke- he's Serie already? I... Oh, for as a striker, yes, because yeah. you're going to get so many opportunities yeah. and his movement's so good, and if you get into a place where they can value that mm. said movement, I think he'd be a very good player. 
Is he Serie A ready? Is he Europe ready? Look where he plays, FC Dallas. Look at the type of player that's coming yep. out of FC Dallas. Yep. The Weston McKinney's, the Reggie Cannons, the Brian Reynolds, Justin Che, who's being linked you know, in Germany. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. It just seems like this is destined. It's in the cards. Ricardo Pepe is the next one. You think so? So I think you have to say, all right, well, like, who is he competing with? A couple guys that I think might be, like James Sands right now. We always talk about him having a great goal cup. Couldn't he be a guy that could be next to make yeah. a move? Especially he, with the- Here it is, here it is. Mm-hmm. He's a forward, Seb. He's a forward. forward. It's so much easier getting on the field as a forward. Somebody will give you an That's opportunity. That's how you made a career. <laughs> That's how I made a 17-year career, <laughs> being a forward. If I was a center back or a goalkeeper, yeah. wait yeah. your turn, son. It's it's not that easy. You have to prove a lot more. As a forward, they are so much more inclined to take a flyer on you because the upside is so large, so big. So our good this week came from FC Dallas versus the LA Galaxy. Our bad this week also comes from <laughs> FC Dallas, LA Galaxy. The other side of the 4 nothing score, of course, is the LA Galaxy drop more points. They are still, Herc, third in the Western Conference, but they've won just one of five since Chicharito got hurt. How worried should Galaxy fans be right now? Not too worried. Greg Vanny is a good coach. And listen, take this game and, and kick it out. Put it in the trash. Uh, Ricardo, Pe- Ricardo Pepe's goals, oh. why very good goals, were errors. So why are we going to throw that out? Isn't that a problem no, that no, no, fix? No, 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 no. But you're missing like five starters and Chicharito Hernandez, who's injured. Right. Of those five starters, you've got Sebastian Leggett, you've got Jonathan Dos Santos, Efrain Alvarez, who could be a starter, could be a not. Gianluca, uh, Giancarlo Gonzalez could be a starter, could be not. But you're missing players, important players, on this team, in this team. And everybody knows, you know very well, in Major League Soccer, in these dark days of summer, you can... You can get away with it because Major League Soccer and a schedule is so forgiving. Yeah, yeah. It's not a league built for depth either, right? Like right. the Galaxy are not a team that's going to be able to absorb all of those losses and still compete. They are still third in the West. If you go off points per game, they're fourth in the West, yeah. but they're still hanging around. The one thing I would say is if they had any illusions of maybe winning the Western Conference, probably not going to happen. At this point, now with Sporting Seattle, City now with Seattle are starting to yeah. pull away. And a thing to keep an eye on, uh, we talk about these players who are missing. Daniel Stairs, you know, looked injured, came out injured um, in that fourth goal uh, that Dallas scored. Something to keep an eye on. He's one of the most steady defenders, and, and defending's not really been a forte for the Galaxy over the years. When Chicharito got hurt, we looked at the Galaxy schedule, and we said it was kind of a soft run. Again, they only won one of the five games in that soft run. Coming up, they got RSL, Colorado, Minnesota, LAFC at the end of next month. All those teams above the playoff line. So if they couldn't hack it without Chicharito not, they need him back. Because that next run is going to be, I think, a lot more difficult. Absolutely. Ten goals. I mean, he was leading the league ten goals uh, for the LA Galaxy. What worries me isn't that he's injured. It's where he's injured. Mm -hmm. It seems to be the same injury, same calf that he injured last year that kept him out for over three months. How they handle that, how he responds, how he comes back. And if he was great physically, if his fitness was a reason for his success this go-around, what is he going to be like that now that he's not game sharp, not game fitness, not in that rhythm? That's something to keep an eye on. We've seen the good. We've seen the bad. Let's see the ugly, although I think this may be more weird than ugly. I'm not really sure which category this properly fits into. Uh, Atlanta <laughs> ties Columbus 1-1 over the weekend. That's not the story. Kanye West, apparently, because you can't really see if it's him, uh, made an appearance at the match. Kanye, this is what we know, he debuted his new album in Atlanta Stadium on Thursday night, Herc. I know you're all about it. Uh, and then he was, he was wearing this outfit while he was debuting his new album there. It's the same one that we see here. And so now we have to obviously assess it with all of our fashionista skills. Is he dripping or is he tripping with it? I have to, can you clarify? Are we, are Which you one? doing the trash bag, the red trash bag? Is that what we're assessing, assessing or are you doing Is the, that a trash bag? That's a jacket, bro. It's a, it's a jacket? 
I think so. I mean, you know. Are we doing no, the right. pantyhose on his face? Might be a poncho. What are, what are we doing here? I, I, the whole I, outfit. I'm, I'm confused. I, I don't know what I'm more confused at. His attire or the fact that he's living inside a Mercedes-Benz stadium. The fact that that's where he's doing his, his, his Adana, the, the new album, the 10th album. I am so confused with what's going on right now. Why is Kanye West in a soccer stadium? It's not a football stadium. It's not the Falcon Stadium. That's Atlanta United Stadium. They run that town. A huge win for MLS, though, right? For how hard Major League Soccer sometimes tries to be cool and relevant. Do people still think Kanye West is cool and relevant? I think a lot of people do, right? I, mean, I don't know about cool, but relevant. Relevant. Absolutely. Super relevant. So to have him, even if it was for 30 seconds in the supporters section, walk in to me is like a major, major win for Major League Soccer. The other thing that's interesting here is there's a report coming out that the Columbus crew actually had to go to another locker room, an auxiliary locker room. Because the visiting team locker room still had all of Kanye's oh, crew man. stuff in it. That's that is so back when it was MLS 1.0. Yeah, it? right, right back. Except when it, was it wasn't home... Kanye. It was some like way no, worse. No, no, listen. Band back when it was the Home Depot Center in mm-hmm. LA, now Dignity Health Sports Park. Real Madrid came to play us, and we lost two to zero. After the game, we'd always go to a designated area for the families mm-hmm. and you know whatnot, a cocktail area. Couldn't go there because Real Madrid was there. We had to be exited from our own stadium. Uh, <laughs> see what was your the player next round? You just didn't <laughs> yeah. have a player lounge that day? What player lounge? Yeah, nothing. <laughs> Come on. Liga is getting their apertura kicked off this weekend. One of the big storylines, Chivas loses at home 2-1 against Atletico San Luis on Sunday. Yeah. The Chivas goal came from a penalty. Uh, Atletico San Luis's goals came from Chivas' mistakes. Uh, this feels like more of the same from a Chivas team that admittedly Herc was missing a lot of its key players. What, what is this, Chivas TV? Well, what's going on here? I'm uh, not making excuses for them, but I mean, they're. <laughs> no, you know, no, no, no. We have no. to acknowledge the truth. You're, you're, you're right, but uh, how many new players does Atletico have? 16? I couldn't register four of those players to play against Chivas? Uh, say what you will about Chivas, and I understand Chivas got a lot of players missing. Mm-hmm. JJ Macias is gone. Mm-hmm. He's with Hetafe now. You got players at the Olympic Games, you got players at Gold Cup. Players that are missing, I understand they don't have the depth and no reinforcements. But this is much of the same that we've okay. been used to with Chivas. So when Mexico plays and they get like 70% possession, you're like, ah, I was good. They did their job. You know, Chivas had 70% possession in that game. Okay. Did they do their job? Have they been doing it for three years like that? No, no, I'm just Has asking. Has Mexico been that way they for clearly, years? They clearly had possession, but they, did they create chances Did, did I it? not tell you about San Luis and who they were missing? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I don't understand why you're making excuses for Chivas. I won't, even, I won't even go down that road. I'm just saying there may have been a better performance than you're leading on, and it is just one match. Okay, fine. But they got Puebla next, and that's not going to be an easy, easy task. And, and not just because you played there. But, well, no, because this, well, yes, because I played there. But this Puebla version, this new Puebla mm-hmm. team, Larcamón, is a very difficult team to play against. It's a team that will work you to the ground with 10 men. I actually thought they were better than Monterrey, and they ended up tying that game. I mean, 60 minutes, 10 men. Played very well. Now you play against a Chivas team. And if I'm Puebla, if I'm one of those players from Larcamón, the, the head coach, I see blood in the water. Mm. I smell blood in the water. Mm. Uh, speaking of blood in the water, Victor Manuel Vucetich, he's known as King Midas yes. in Mexico, right? Because he's got that gold touch. Whatever he touches, he can sort out. He's got a big problem here with Chivas. This is not a good team moving forward. Do you think he survives the season? No, no, no way. Why would you bet on him surviving the season? Listen, this is a team that normally doesn't get into playoffs. The only reason they've gotten into playoffs is because it's been expanded into this playing game, so now 12 teams can get in. You look at since 2018, June 2018, when Matias Almeida left Chivas, you know how many coaches they've gone through? Six. Shouldn't they lower their expectations at this point? Like, I I understand understand you say that he he might be fine. How dare you? No, but I mean, how, how can they? What can they expect of him? Sebastian if he, if he makes, if he makes Ligia this year, like Sebastian Salas. How dare you? Chivas is a big club. How dare you? Mm. Okay, this so, is, you, so this they're is gonna make playoffs. Americanista coming out. No, no, no. What please. do you think? I'm dumb. 
What, you want me to bet on that? I'm trying to reel you in here. <laughs> no? Okay. No. Um, fair enough. All right, let's get to other managerial news. All right. We got a couple managerial debuts. First of all, Piojo Herrera uh, with Tigres against Cholos. They get a win, 2-1 to one in TJ. That's the good news, I guess, for managerial debuts. The other side of it is Tuca Ferretti with Juarez, and he loses 3-1 to Taluca. I think that was on Friday night. Yeah. So both these managerial debuts went kind of differently. Uh, to focus on Tuca for a second, who leaves Tigres, do you think he's like regretting this decision to go from, not just to leave Tigres, we kind of knew that was at its end, but to end up of all places with Bravos? Uh, I don't know about regret, but if I were him, I would definitely, definitely, well, it's too late, but I would have definitely thought about- <laughs> you'd, you'd retired. Hanging him up. Yeah, he's 67 years old, yeah. Seb. He's yeah. an historical- So why do you think he took the job? I will tell you why. So 67 years old, he's mm -hmm. historical manager in Liga Mekis. He's coached since 1991 with Pumas, when he started out with Pumas. That's going on 30 years of uninterrupted football as a manager. Mm. No team has ever sent him packing. No team has ever said, take a break, you're gone. It's always been his way and he's been successful. He's got more league titles than most teams. Mm. He's got seven Liga Mekis titles. He's coached the national team. He's won Campeones Cup. He's won, you know, uh, CONCACAF Champions League Cups. Whatever you want, he's been there, he's won it, et cetera, et cetera. But the way he exited Tigres left such a sour taste in his mouth it's almost like he wanted to prove something, not only to everybody else, but himself. Mm. But he goes to Juarez, and it's not exactly a stable situation. It's not a situation where you're going into a team that's going to have, I understand they got some pockets. I understand they got some deep pockets. They're making a run a few players. But it's not a Pumas that's got some history, a Chivas that has some history. It's not a Cruz Azul that has history and pockets. I don't know why he's doing it except for his ego. It's a situation where you should have been like, I'm going down as one of the best. This should be it. I'm leaving. Chivas, bravos. More likely to make Ligia, which one? Bravos. Ooh. Only because they can actually. You weren't very convinced. No, I, I will bet on this only because they okay. are. Producer just said he'll bet on it, so I'll take that bet yeah. for producer with you. Yeah, only I will tell you why. Oh, wait, that means I'm betting for Chivas? No, yes. I can't wait. I can't do that. I will tell you why, because you think about who Chivas can go out and get, okay, yep. in, a, in an impossible transfer window. Who? Only Mexican players. Who can Juarez go out and get? Anybody. Anybody. Parting. Shots and something uh, very near and dear to oh. my heart. Um, all right, so Bethesda Soccer Club is the club that I grew up playing for, right? DC Scores, you know, is an organization that brings soccer into underprivileged elementary schools in DC. Now, they have scores programs all over the country, but I'm lucky enough to work with the one in Washington, DC. I'm a volunteer assistant coach. Okay, so these two organizations, the club I played for as a kid and the place I coach now, have teamed up to open doors for the kids in Washington, D.C. If you know, Bethesda's kind of in the suburbs. It's a very affluent area. There's a lot of kids with a lot of opportunities there. I think this is going to open doors for those kids, but it's really going to open doors for the kids at D.C. Scores. Super excited. And hey, dude, they have me put on the jersey. Well done, sir. Look at that. They were like, we well need a done, model. Well done, brother. We need a uh, model. Wh what stadium was that? That was Audi Field, home of D.C. United. Watch your head. Yeah, hey, they, uh, they actually like let me in. Uh, I do want to say this. You know they, who they had there? They had like all the Bethesda Soccer Club alums. Okay. It's so, like Andy Sullivan, women's national team yeah. player. Chris Adoyacha plays yeah. for DC United. Kevin Paredes played for Bethesda United. Good he was player. there. And then they have me with no soccer resume. Just lame. <laughs> Wait, what school did you go to? Don't worry. We don't Westminster? About Westminster College, home of the Titans. Isn't that uh, what you did, dog training? Uh, no, that's, you're such a jerk. I'm not even going <laughs> to. 
I'm not. Hey, remind it. We're on three days a week now. Hey, so before we get out of here, yeah, we got three shows. Three shows this week. Today, we're back on Wednesday. We're back on Friday. Looking ahead to the Gold Cup. Of course, we'll be covering the Olympics as well. What else do we got Wednesday? Tell them where we're going after. We got Jonathan Bond of the LA Galaxy joining us on Wednesday. And then Thursday, we head to Vegas. We're doing the show on Friday from your hometown, Las Vegas, ahead of the Gold Cup final. Will it be U.S.-Mexico? We don't know. We if you know, you know. Who is that? If you know, you know. King. King. Nobody knows. If you know, you know. Stefan Fry, shout out. 8-bit. Good stuff.